So I got the end of a pretty good championship match from this past weekend. And, um, well, I, I didn't catch the first two-thirds of it. But I, I turned it on just as Gledeon sent out his Zoroark and Ash sent in his Pikachu. And they put on a heck of a show, unlocked both their Z-Power moves, Zoroark with his... I believe Call of Unending Night. Pikachu broke through that with his Ultra Dash, but it left both Pokemon knocked out and left Gladion and Ash with just one Pokemon apiece. And wouldn't you know it, they both had Lycanroc. Now, Gladion's Lycanroc was a midnight form, while Ash's was a dusk form. They sent them both out, and Gladion's Lycanroc depended so hard on its counterattack. Everything that Ash's Lycanroc could do, Gladion's Lycanroc had a counter for. And a couple of times it looked like it had knocked Lycanroc out. But Lycanroc kept getting to his feet, kept dodging the stone edge, kept dashing in with Accelerock, kept going for the bite attack. And it turns out it was all to lure Gladion's Lycanroc into a false insecurity. With a full power Accelerock heading right towards Gladion's Lycanroc, he called for another counter. And Ash called for a counter to the counter. Ash's Lycanroc would dodge the counterattack and lay in to Gladion's Lycanroc with four times the power of the original attack. It would knock Lycanroc out. And Ash, for the first time in his Pokemon career, which has lasted either 20 years or less than one year, depending on which timeline you're looking at, Ash Ketchum would become a Pokemon League champion. And you may be asking yourself, why are you talking about Pokemon on this show? And I remind you that this is my show, and this is the Gift of Podcast. What's up, guys? I am the Monday Night Delight, and this is the Gift of Podcast. Today, we're talking about Clash of Champions from last night, a show that I watched parts of okay i watched the important parts i didn't watch the uh pre-show and i got the gist of most of the matches but let's be honest how many of you were super concerned with the miz versus shinsuke nakamura match was all right but we'll get to it and of course we have monday nitro from october of the year 2000 we are heading straight towards the end of monday Nitro. Let's talk about the pay-per-view from last night. Clash of Champions. There were two pre-show matches. One was the United States title match. AJ Styles making a pre-show match, not something we're used to. He beat Cedric in apparently decisive fashion, just leaving little bits of Cedric Alexander littered around um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had the cruiserweight title match that Drew Gulak retained against Humberto Carrillo and uh, Lindsay Dorado. Right, getting past those, getting to the main card of the show, we opened up with the Raw tag team title match with uh, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, the competitors in the main event, if you had happened to forgot, versus... The team of uh, Bobby Roode, Robert Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. Rudolph, it's been called. Uh, 
the guys that look like Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude, it's been called. Uh, they don't really have a team name. Maybe they should get one. Um, Sneer Money. I like that one. Bleach Money for Ziggler's Blessed Hair. Wine Money. Oh, Wine Money works with beer money. Of course, you spell wine with an H. You could call it any of these things if you wanted. Regardless, they are now the Raw Tag Team Champions, having dumped Braun Strowman to the outside, and then Rude hit the glorious DDT on Seth Rollins, and won the Raw Tag Team titles in under 10 minutes. This was a short match, I don't buy Rude and, Z- and Dolph as a tag team yet, and yet now they have the tag titles. Um, yeah, not great. Let's let's rate this a... Uh, let's see, what's our rating system for this particular pay-per-view? We will call this... Uh, we'll rate everything at 1 to 5 surprise Luke Harpers. And I give this one 2 surprise Luke Harpers. Bailey versus Charlotte for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Four minutes. That's all they got on pay-per-view is four minutes. And I feel like we're slipping back into some old habits here with the women, but maybe not based on later. Bailey won after clonking Charlotte face first into an exposed turnbuckle that she exposed while the ref was pulling Charlotte off after breaking her on five. And Bailey bonked her into the turnbuckle, rolled her up, one, two, three, grabbed her title, and ran to the back. And I love that. I hate that the match was so short, but I love the finish because it shows that Bailey is, in fact, a heel. But Bailey doesn't really know how to handle that. She ran away. You know, the way I look at it, when one of my kids does something wrong and doesn't want to be caught... They hide. Bailey did something wrong. She knew she did something wrong. But she didn't know how to deal with it. She didn't want to face it in front of the people. So she grabbed her belt and she ran right to the back. I like it. She's a heel that's scared to be a heel. But she knows how to win in the dirty way. Good finish. Good good finish. Good story. Too short of a match. I give it two surprise Luke Harbors. The Revival defeats the New Day for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Again, kind of a short match, only about 11 minutes. The story of this match were that uh, Big E and, uh, and Xavier have been beaten up so much the last few weeks that they didn't have a lot to give. They, they fought through their injuries. They did the best they could. But after Big E took a shatter machine on the outside... It left Xavier by himself. And when he got locked into this inverted figure four knee bar looking thing, I'm not a submission practitioner if you can't tell, he fought through it. He tried to get to the ropes. But when he couldn't, he tapped out. The Revival are your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They took the belts and said that it is a new day for the belts. They would no longer be covered in proverbial pancake batter. They want to make them real belts again. It's like, all right, that's kind of Imperium's gimmick too, that the ring is sacred from these jokers. But I get what you're saying. You've been saying it for a long time. No flips, just fists. Um, Three surprise Luke Harpers out of five. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated Mandy Rose and Sonya. I only caught the last couple minutes of this. Uh, And I say last couple minutes. The last minute where 
Sonya has Alexa laid out. Sonya and Mandy do after hitting them with their double team. But Nikki dives in out of nowhere, dumps Sonya, hits top, the top rope, twisting neckbreaker on Mandy, and pins her to retain the titles. Um, during this match, I've seen the highlights. Alexa did attempt to win the 24-7 title when R-Truth got in the ring. She did not succeed, unfortunately, but she did retain her tag team titles. Also, she was dressed as Harley Quinn, if for no other reason than the plug that John Cena will now be in the Spirit, or the, not Spirit Squad. John Cena's going to be in the Spirit Squad. Did you hear that? I hope I'm right about that. But he's also going to be in the Suicide Squad movie. Um, could be a lot of fun. I, I, someone theorized that he may be killed in the first five or ten minutes. I, like, I hope that's not true. But the rumor are that he's playing Peacemaker. That I know nothing about as a character. But also, Nathan Fillion could be playing Peacemaker. I don't know nothing about the character, but I know that John Cena and Nathan Fillion are very different people. So, that could be interesting in the long run. But uh, this match, I give it three surprise Luke Harpers. Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz. The Miz had this match won. He, I mean, the match was fine. It was a SmackDown match, though. Best, uh, best praise I can give it is it was a SmackDown main event. But Miz has the match won. He's hit the skull-crushing finale, but Sami Zayn takes the ref. Miz gets distracted. He's the knee to the back of the head, and then the Kinshasa, and Shinsuke wins the match. Two and a half surprise Luke Harpers. This, this show, in general, kind of meh so far. It would, however, pick up. Sasha Banks defeats Becky Lynch, but by disqualification. The story of the match is Sasha kept trying to use this blessed chair. She kept trying to cheat. Becky was getting was handling her, but getting frustrated. Eventually, the ref took the chair from Sasha, was dealing with Sasha. Becky picked up the chair to hit Sasha. Sasha steps out of the way. Becky hits the ref. The ref goes down. They brawl in the crowd for 10 minutes, and then we get an announcement. Oh, this match ended 10 minutes ago by disqualification. Becky... Uh, loses to Sasha, but she retains the title. Becky takes her belt, is going up the ramp, and you just hear her go, I'm the forking champion, which, I mean, good job, Becky. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed the brawl. I enjoyed the match. But all said and done, this was just a filler match to get them inside Hell in the Cell next month. Now, could Charlotte and Bailey also be heading towards Hell in the Cell? Because that match ended poorly too, with you know controversially with with uh, uh, I mean it was a finish, but it was not a clean finish. It was definitely a cheaty finish. So we're we gonna get all four horsewomen in two different Hell in the Cells because we got a lot of people that could be going into Hell in the Cell, and I wouldn't be upset if they did everything in Hell in the Cell except unless they bring that plastic Fisher Price red cage bat. In which case, no thank you. Let's not do all these matches Hell in the Cell. Also, that was TNA Lockdown, and uh, we don't really need more TNA. So maybe maybe we don't do everything in Hell in the Cell. But regardless, if you're going to pick one of the women's matches, clearly it needs to be Sasha and Becky in the Hell in the Cell. Kofi Kingston defeated Randy Orton for the WWE Championship to retain. I was so worried about this match. I had horrible bad feelings about this match. I just knew that it was the end of Kofi 
as the champion, and yet it wasn't. And I think maybe, just maybe, we're through with Randy Orton because there was one spot that I knew in my heart when they started this Randy Orton feud that we had to have. And that was Orton going for the punt kick. He hadn't done the punt kick in a decade, but he was going to go for the soccer punt. And Kofi was going to stand up just like he did 10 years ago in the wrong position, duck the soccer kick, and hit the trouble in paradise for the win. And lo and behold, when Kofi got his foot on the rope for the RKO, Orton lined up in the corner like he was going for the soccer kick. And Kofi stood up, he ducked around, he hit the trouble in paradise, and he pinned Randy Orton one, two, three. He retained the title clean, and I pray to the wrestling Jesus. Let's be done with Kofi and Orton. Let's find Kofi a new opponent. I'm not opposed to Kofi losing the title. I was opposed to Kofi losing the title to Randy Orton, which make his which just feel like he even if you Transferring the title from Daniel Bryan to Randy Orton makes you feel like a transitional champion, even though it will be at least six months of a title reign. I'm Kofi's been champion for over five months now. It'll be six months by the time we get to Hell in a Cell, which is amazing. But at the same time, the ending could wreck Kofi's run. I've been very pleased with Kofi's run. I don't want it to end poorly. And losing to Randy Orton here, especially if it had been a dirty loss... Would have been no good. Eric Rowan versus Roman Reigns. Oh, I gotta go back and do some rankings here. Sasha and Bailey, three and a half surprise Luke Harpers. Uh, Kofi and Randy Orton, three and a half surprise Luke Harpers. Good. Above average, not great. Eric Rowan versus Roman Reigns. Now, this match is automatically gonna score one surprise Luke Harper because it ended with a surprise Luke Harper. A Harper appeared out of nowhere, booted a super running spear from Roman Reigns, allowed uh, Eric Rowan to hit the powerbomb and the Iron Claw Slam for a win. And that sounds terrible because it's Eric Rowan. They made Eric Rowan look like a million bucks right here. The joke used to be, you got to make Roman look strong. Well, Roman made Rowan look strong. I actually really enjoyed this match and didn't think I was going to. Was it technically a masterpiece? Not by any means. Was it better than I expected? Absolutely. I give this match two and a half surprise Luke Harpers, but I'm going to give it a bonus surprise Luke Harper because it has a surprise Luke Harper, so it gets three and a half surprise Luke Harpers. And then Seth Rollins defeats Braun Strowman for the Universal title. This was a short match. Um, Braun downed it for a while. Then Seth started hitting a bunch of moves. Seth hit three... Well, he hit a curb stomp. Braun kicked out at one. And it got that spot is amazing because that's the same thing Tyler Bate did against Walter a couple weeks ago and got this huge pop. Braun, huge pop. Then he took another er, stomp. Kicked out. Then he took a third stomp. Kicked out. And I'm thinking, is Braun actually going to win this title? He went for the power slam. Seth got him down, hit him with the pedigree, and then another stomp and beat Braun Strowman. It is uh, interesting to me that Seth had to go back to the pedigree. That has not been a babyface Seth Rollins thing to do. Do I think Seth's turning heel? I don't know. Maybe. Could be fun. 
But regardless, he had to use Hunter's move to put down the monster. It's got storyline built into it. Unfortunately, we got to wait on that storyline because Seth walked up the ramp, was celebrating. They put the little title card on the show. Everything was good. I actually turned the show off right there. And then later I had to go back and turn it back on because the lights go out and the fiend attacks Seth Rollins. Lays him out with the sister Abigail on the stage. Locks in the mandible claw. And the last image is the fiend standing over the brutalized, beaten body of Seth Rollins. Leading, of course, to Hell in the Cell. Seth versus the fiend. They have got to put the title on the fiend. It is not time to end that mystique. Seth Rollins does not need to be the one to defeat the fiend right now. The Fiend needs to win this title. Take on Kofi Kingston one-on-one at Survivor Series. And beat Kofi Kingston, for that matter. I think that whoever wins the Royal Rumble next year should be the first person to defeat the Fiend next year at WrestleMania. Now, the question is, who's that going to be? Could be Braun. Braun and Bray have a history. Don't do Randy Orton. That'd be terrible. It's awful early to be predicting Rumble winners, but I'd say you could pick a couple real nice ones right now. Are we going to get there? Hopefully. Hopefully we get to the Fiend as Universal Champion by the end of Hell in the Cell. But I'm not holding my breath because I know how this company works. Build up a monster to feed to your baby face. They built their whole business model on it in the 80s. We'll see where we get to. I'm going to take a break. You'll hear something from our lovely friends over at WrestleLatic Radio, and we'll be right back. What is going on, everybody? This is your resident Universal Royalty King, Ricky Rose, speaking. And if you like what you're listening to right now, I want to invite you guys to check out my wrestling show, the Kings of the Rings podcast, coming out with a new episode each and every Friday right here on Wrestle Addict Radio. You don't want to miss it. What up, fam? It's your boy, J.C. Bones. And I'm Johnny Smarts in the house. And it's me, the gloriously handsome Doc Haas. And we are the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Starting January 5th, you can find us on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network on rantwithant.com. Come be a part of the biggest draw for the critics. The Marks! The casual. And the hardcore. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. We are back. All right. Monday Nitro, October the 2nd, the year 2000. What I thought was going to be a ho-hum Nitro turned out to be one of the legendary, awful Nitros. I mean, if you were building an Infinity Gauntlet of bad Nitros, I mean, you'd stick the finger poke of doom in there. You would have... Russo and Bischoff reset the whole show. Russo wins the world title. David Ar- uh, David Arquette actually won it on Thunder. Uh, let's see. What would be the Infinity Stones of Bad Nitro? The three I just mentioned, for sure. That one Nitro where there's no wrestling for the whole first hour. That's four. Uh, this one, which we'll get to. And then I think you have to stick in the one where Vince McMahon just bought the show, or actually his son bought the show and ruined everything. Although I may come across even more horrible, horrible nitros as we go along. But let's let's just hop into this 
right here. They confirm that Russo wins the world title and then Goldberg arrives on a motorcycle. That took six seconds and we go into the intro. After the intro, the filthy animals, and this by this I mean no Disco, he's no longer one of them, and no Hoovy. I wonder if, if we've had the Hoovy PCP incident now. But Conan, Tigress, and Ray come out. They carry the Disco duck. They insinuate that Disco has been banging this plastic duck. Then the Boogie Knights, Disco Inferno, and Alex Wright blast from the past from WCW Nitro 2000 or uh, 1998 the video game Alex Wright shows up out of nowhere no longer Berlin by the way actually just dancing uh to form the Boogie Knights with Disco to take on the Filthy Animals and an impromptu ladder match for the Disco Duck okay do you get all that um this became an immediate train wreck Th- this was uh, horrible. People could have died. Ray hit a ladder-assisted Thez press onto Disco. He hit an Arabian face buster with a chair onto a onto a pile that was bottom layer Disco, middle layer or second layer ladder, next layer Alex Wright, top layer ladder, and then Ray lands on it with a chair on his butt. Uh, doing this, they broke the ladder. And unlike WWE, where they bring out 40 or 50 ladders every time they have a ladder match, they had one ladder in all of uh, San Francisco this evening. So the ref is now holding the ladder every chance he gets to make sure these guys don't actually cut themselves wide open with this thing. Ray hits a sunset flip powerbomb on Disco from the top of the ladder. Conan gets the duck. And then the Boogie Knights beat down the Filthy Animals after the match. Which means that while Conan and Ray won the match, they didn't get over because they got beat up by these dancing losers with their plastic duck. And I'm not even mad anymore. I want to be. I want to be mad and say, God, this is what you got to fix. But it it doesn't matter. This is the stuff. This isn't the, it's not the big stuff that killed them. My friend Jackie, who you'll hear on another show this week, likes to say it's death by a thousand cuts. Little bitty things killed WCW, and idiot stuff like this was part of it. David Flair arrives with somebody uh, in a hood and handcuffed. I want you to remember that David Flair is manhandling this person the entire night. Russo is in his office. He vacates his own WCW title because he's not an athlete. Good point. He books Jarrett versus Steiner for the world title later on tonight. Goldberg comes out the ring. Goldberg calls out Russo. Russo comes out in a Pope mobile. He, he was a pickup truck with a bulletproof casing on the back where, where he sits. Uh, he's been driven out there by Jeremy Borash, which is neither here nor there, but Borash is always hilarious when he does his thing. Goldberg kills all the security guys. Goldberg says he doesn't sweat Russo. He says it three times all the while sweating profusely. Russo says Goldberg must match his 176 win streak, which was 174, but even that was a load of crap because WWE just kept adding numbers to it. And if he does not match that streak, he will be fired from WCW. Goldberg, apparently learning nothing from his injury last year, kicks the window glass out to try and get to JB. However... WCW did learn something and clearly put like 
plastic, like thin plastic sheeting for this glass window because it just falls out in one whole piece. Borash runs for his ever-loving life, and then, when all is said and done, Russo is locked in the Pope Mobile, and Ming, yes, Ming, appears to save him from the dastardly Goldberg. Sanders meets with Russo. He, uh, Russo says Sanders is running the show tonight, and that's the last we see of Russo for the rest of the evening. Why did Russo leave? No clue. Chuck Zito from the TV show Oz is now on commentary. Why? No clue. Hardcore title match. AWOL, brother, versus Reno. I think for the vacated WCW Hardcore Championship. Norman Smiley was the champion. He didn't want to be, and maybe he's quit or been fired now, but the title is vacant, and these two guys are going to fight for it. Uh, I counted six unprojected weapon shots to the head. Vito, uh, Vito runs out, hits Reno with a stickball bat. AWOL chokeslams Reno through a table and pins him one, two, three for the title. Mike Sanders, now the acting owner or writer or something of WCW, comes out and says, no, no, there was... There was outside interference here in this hardcore title match. I'm reversing the decision. Reno is now the hardcore champion. Don't super care. Pam announces that Booker T and Sting will battle for the WCW title in the main event per the orders of the cat. I don't think the cat was in the building this night, but they sure pretended that he was. David menaces his captive backstage. The franchise and Tori come out. Franchise mocks Conan for something I'm not sure about. Then calls uh, challenges Conan and Tigress for a uh, mixed or I guess intergender tag team match at Halloween Havoc. He challenges Mike Awesome for tonight. Awesome comes out immediately. This becomes announcers talk about something else match of the night number one. They're mainly talking about Goldberg's new stipulation, but they also talk about the fact that Luger is sitting in the crowd. And that's all Lex Luger does this entire night, is sit in the crowd. About two minutes in, Tori flashes Mike Awesome. The franchise hits the franchiser, and uh, and that's that. I guess, actually, it's not that, because Conan and Tigress attack franchise and Tori post-match and send them packing. Jarrett and Steiner bully Sanders into making sure that they get the match. Nash backs up Sanders and, no, he'll get it done. I'm his coach. Nash sends Sanders into Kat's office to get it done. There is a 40-second Ming promo video. Pam, now with Ming, who just had a 40-second video, Ming mumbles through an entire interview. Sanders sends the uh, Natural Born Thrillers out to the Goldberg match. Goldberg versus Ming. Goldberg wins in a minute. Chronic attacks Goldberg backstage. I think this is a heel turn. I, I don't super know. But whatever they did... Goldberg shakes it off, and you'll see about that here in a little bit, so it makes Chronic look like a couple of geeks. Mike Sanders uh, announces that he and the Cat have worked out a deal. It'll be Sting and Booker versus Scott Steiner and Jarrett, and the winners will get the title match at the end of the night. And Steiner just goes, I don't like Sting. I was like, well, it's a good thing you get to beat him up then, Scott Steiner. God. David waterboards his captive. That's not what he intended to do, but he's got a hood over this man's head, and he pours a bucket of water, and it sucks right to the dude's face. He waterboarded this guy. Jarrett and Steiner versus Sting and Booker. 
And it turns out, no, I'm wrong. I misunderstood Mike Sanders, or he said it wrong, one or the other. It's actually Jarrett and Booker versus Steiner and Sting. Well, that at least explains the, I don't like Sting, that Steiner yelled at the top of his lungs. Well, that's, he didn't want to tag with Sting. All right. I get it. At least I get it now. Uh, this becomes announcers talking about something else match of the night number two. Thunder will be preempted by NASCAR, they tell us, three or four times during this match. Uh, but the match itself, actually pretty good. They get like 15 minutes. Booker plays a really good heel. Um, not a bad match at all until the end. The ref gets bumped with Booker's axe kick. Jarrett hits Sting with the guitar. Steiner forces Booker out of the ring and loses the match so that his buddy Jarrett can get the world title and not him. That's what happens. The Natural Born Thrillers walk down the hallway. Still trying to get to that Goldberg match, I guess. 100 kilogram and under title match. Elix Skipper versus Mike Sanders. Elix Skipper says the commissioner booked himself in this match against Elix Skipper. Apparently, Mike Sanders is now also commissioner of WCW. I thought he meant the cat. I thought the cat was going to come out here and dance and try and fight Elix Skipper. But no, turns out it was Mike Sanders. He also calls out Nash for some reason. Uh, did I write it down? I did. Nash called Beetlejuice. You remember the little guy from the Whack Pack last week or... Two week, no, it was last week. Uh, the the He was the little person who was African-American. He wore the Superman suit. Um, and apparently, I missed this last week, Nash called that guy Elix because Elix is small. Elix took offense to this, and he called out Nash, said, uh, we're going to have a handicap match right now for this title. Uh, and Mike Sanders said, well, I'm the commissioner, so all right, here are the rules. There will be no Team Canada interference in this match. This is a powerbomb match. You must hit a powerbomb on your opponent before you can pin them. Remember that. And it is also a handicap match. Kevin Nash gets a microphone and stands in the corner while Sanders and Elix Skipper wrestle and does live commentary over the match. Complaining about guys trying to take his spots and guys going up at the top rope and doing all this stuff. And Nash has never been in a bar fight that... He knocks somebody down. Then he thought, I need to climb up on this bar and then jump off this bar onto this guy. Turns right around into a missile drop kick from Elix. Elix goes to pin Kevin Nash, but does Kevin Nash kick out? No. The referee says, you can't pin him. You haven't powerbombed him. Nash gets up. He powerbombs Elix Skipper. Sanders pins him for the win. I don't believe this was a legal win because I believe Sanders would have had to powerbomb Elix Skipper to be able to pin him. I was really, really hoping that Kevin Nash was going to win the 100 kilogram and under title, which is now officially the cruiserweight title once again. Goldberg's trying to leave the building. Terry Taylor walks up and says, hey, you got another match, Sanders says. Team Canada attacks the Natural Born Thrillers. Nothing comes of this. Goldberg versus the Harrises. Goldberg pins Don Harris in 30 seconds and pins Ron Harris in 60 seconds. Or I have that backwards, and he pinned Don or Ron first, and then Don. Not super concerned if I have that backwards or not, but they're counting this as two wins for Goldberg. Goldberg got three wins in one single night. David drags his hostage out of the room. It is announced that the championship match tonight will be a 49ers match. This is that 
match that is, I mean, if you've ever heard anything about the end of WCW, you've heard about this match. Boxes over the ring. The first person to climb up and find the box with the world title in it, the gold, 49ers, would win the championship. I've heard about this match. I pictured boxes attached to poles like on like little shelves. It was so much worse, but we'll get to that. David brings out his uh, guy in the hood. He, he makes the guy promise to confess to all the things he's done wrong before he'll take the cuffs off. The guy says he will. David takes the cuffs off. It's Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell kills David Flair. And then Buff Bagwell leaves the building. He says, I guess Buff does have the stuff. I guess admitting to impregnating Stacy, but I'm pretty sure we never get that far. In a little bit of funny problems with the production, as we come back from audio, we hear Tony Schiavone talking to the backstage. He's like, yeah, they're still trying to get these boxes to hang. They can't get the boxes up there. And then he realizes on the air, he's like, tonight's show is brought to you by this, 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 the casserole or something. Fruity, fruity, fruity Skittles. But then we get Booker and Jarrett in a 49ers match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I have heard tales of this match. I told you I believe that these boxes were attached like shelves. So you had to go up and open the box. No, they were hanging from cords. Four wooden boxes hanging from cords. And not well because... A minute in the match, Jared gets whipped into a corner and a box falls and nearly hits both him and Booker in the head. So um, I don't think they're supposed to open this box just yet because they wrestled for a long time before they got to the next one. But Jared punches open this box and what's inside? It's a blow-up sex doll because that's a weapon. They were promised weapons in these boxes. This is not a weapon. Jared throws it to the outside where it would sit and Jared would end up rolling around next to it a couple times being tossed out of the ring. A few minutes later, Booker would open up box number two, and inside was a picture frame with a picture of Scott Hall. The people cheered like crazy for this. Uh, Booker did use this as a weapon, hitting Jared right in the head with it, laying him out. Booker would take him to the outside. They would fight, and Booker would hit a pile driver on the announce table. I haven't seen a pile driver the whole time I've been watching this. It is fantastic to see a move like that when it's done safely. Booker would open up box number three and find a coal miner's glove. Now, this is a this is a legendary wrestling weapon. This coal miner's glove is supposed to be loaded with metal and rocks or something. And when you punch somebody, it's supposed to knock them out. Well, they punch each other uh, no less than a half dozen times the rest of this match, just laying each other out. One time, they're both on the mat, and Slick Johnson, the referee, is counting them out. He gets up to eight, and he gets to his, and Jerry gets to his feet. My first thought was, "This is a 49ers open the box, find the gold match." Slick Johnson, if you count to ten, what happens? Nothing. You might as well be on Sesame Street. You're counting the way you're counting right now. Jarrett locks in a sleeper, takes Booker all the way down to the mat, and Slick Johnson, this freaking moron ref, lifts Booker's arm once, it falls. Lifts Booker's arm twice, it falls. And lifts it third time, it falls, but Booker does the shake, and he gets to his feet, and he breaks out, and he locks in a sleeper of his own. And Mark Hud- or, and uh, Scott Hudson outside goes, no, Mark Madden on the outside goes, why is he even checking if... if- He's out. This is a box on a pole match. And Scott Hudson's like, yeah, but if, he got, if his arm fell three times, then all the people would know that Booker was out and Jeff Jarrett could get the box. I, I suppose that's true, Scott Hudson, but 
Man, you're a real company man right here. Jarrett goes to get his guitar from the outside, and it is stuck under the ring. He can't get it out. He gives up at the guitar. He goes to the top rope to get the box and just end the match mercifully. And who should come out in front of the ring but Beetlejuice, the guy from the Howard Stern Show who Jarrett hit with a guitar last week. Jarrett uh, gets a, uh, I believe what Tony Schiavone called it was the prostate uh, shot where the proctologist, maybe no, he said prostate shot. Regardless, Beetlejuice, who is small, punched up directly into the grundle of Jeff Jarrett, sent him to the mat. He got a bookend. Booker climbs, gets the box, pulls it down, and the bottom falls out, and the blessed title belt falls all the way to the floor. And Scott or in, uh, and uh, Dave Pinzer picks it up. Dave Pinzer? Scott Pinzer? The announcer, Pinzer, picks it up to hand it to Booker. By the actual rules of this match, Pinzer is the world heavyweight champion. They don't do that. They crown Booker the world heavyweight champion. And then Scott Steiner comes out and he kills Booker and Beetlejuice as the show goes off the air. One of the fabled bad nitros. And I've never seen it before. It's a freaking freak show, dude. Ah, that's going to bring us to the end of the Gift of Podcast. My name is Mance Chapel, who is actually the Monday Night Delight. I don't know what I was thinking there. My name is the Monday Night Delight. This is the Gift of Podcast. Follow me at Gift of Podcast on Twitter. Follow all of us at Addict underscore Russell on Twitter. Check out all of our shows, the Gift of Podcast, the Kings of the Ring Podcast, the Fourth Wall Wrestlecast, Not Your Mama Soap Opera, and the Game Changer Podcast. You want to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Gift of Podcasts. Nope, slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Let's try it again. Patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio, where for $5 you get access to new content from all of our shows, including, finally, The Gift of Podcast. I have giving, given you the first official episode of Gift of Podcast Wrestling Theater three uh, 9 billion, where you will hear, just like you heard me recap that Nitro last week, I did ECW One Night Stand 2006 with my friend Jackie and my wife. And actually, I'm pretty sure my son at one point, although I, I shoot him out of here, um, going to be doing that once a month. I'll be doing WWECW, a couple episodes of that in that style. And then once a month, I'll be doing a pay-per-view or some bad, bad wrestling for somewhere in the universe. Only on our Patreon. $5 gets you access to that. Come back here next week. We'll do some more of the Gift Podcast. And I will see you then.